You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Jessica. Hey. And because he's going to edit it in any way, the lovely Steven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Elizabeth for because I should probably introduce myself. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are back for the third part of Tanahasi Coates The Water hey. Dancer. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It's very, very exciting. And I'm gonna be pretty short on plot this time. We had about 80 pages worth mm-hmm. of book, so a much shorter section. And there were a lot of feels in this section, a lot of feels, but not as much content action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. It, like it kind of, we clearly like hit the climax in part two. <laughs> I like the wrap up. I understand why it's split up into these three parts in this way. It's just mm-hmm. there's not a lot that happens in this last third part. No. It, and it definitely feels like part two was its own book. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, part and- three that like, you know, when a show ends too abruptly and then they come back for that weird special just to wrap up <laughs> all the loose ends. Yeah. That's what part felt <laughs> I think I, I'm worried. Yeah. For, I'm worried we're going to get one of those for Brooklyn Nine Nine. They announced today, as of recording, that um, they're going to end <sighs> the series with a shorter se- season. Um, I'm assuming because of COVID stuff. But like, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But until we get into that, everybody's got a beverage this evening. Mm-hmm. We opted non-alcoholic. Yeah. So I, I this am- is my first week not drinking alcohol for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steven, don't rub it in our faces. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so I am drinking uh, blackberry cinnamon tea because Ooh. it sounded good. Naima, what are you drinking? I should have had a backup tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Go with your heart. Go with your heart. Because it was snowing and it's it's I I thought we were out of hot chocolate season and it's nice to know that we're still in it. So this is what oh, I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hot chocolate doesn't have a season, to yeah. be clear. Arizona July. <laughs> Arizona July. Arizona July. I still drink hot chocolate, but I also still wander around in my fuzzy slippers. So you know what? <laughs> You're cold in like seventy degrees though. So <laughs> Yes I am. <laughs> Jessica, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Herod's Earl Grey. Good English tea. Say such a classy lady, but it's nighttime, not breakfast time, so I don't understand the Earl Grey. I just, I, okay, because I follow my heart and I love Earl Grey, so I drink Earl Grey whenever I want to. I, I know this now because of a friend of mine live tweeting her experience with the Fifty Shades of Grey books. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the tea that is purchased for the lady in the book by the dude in the book. Harrods tea? Harrods Earl Grey, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, this was gifted yes, to be my my friend when she went to England. She brought back tea. So <laughs> I read 
those books and I don't remember that happening. <laughs> I have, uh, there's a few things I remember from those books. And that is not one of them. <laughs> it's like in exactly one scene, but it's what spun off for the 50 shades of Earl gray. Uh, it was uh, intentional merchandising. I get it. Merchandising. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotta get that merch out there, you know, <laughs> Steven, what are you drinking? Uh, I have, uh, I I don't know what the other one is. Naima, we we didn't figure out what the other Harney and Sons tea bag was that was in there, did we? No, because okay, <laughs> so I bought a tea when we were still in Arizona, and it wouldn't fit in any of the boxes we had while moving. So I just took all of the tea bags out, and I just put mm-hmm. them in the box. And we just have all these loose loose. <laughs> yes, th- this one I, I have one. Um, it, it's an orange and cinnamon tea bag, which is my favorite in general, and then. Also, another unidentified Harney and Sons tea bag because Harney and Sons is my favorite. Uh, so they're together. I think it might be a berry thing of some sort. We'll find out right it now. Is, it's got a sweet. It's got a little bit of a sweet. I want to say it's blackberry because I'm. I'm. I lean toward if something said blackberry on it, I would buy it. The orange and spice That's one is not. Choice. It's not as strong as the Harney and Sons one. We got it at uh, Barnes and Noble. So we just got to go through Barnes and Noble's entire inventory of teas and <laughs> and make the determination. I like go. it. I like it. So on that note, let me jump into plot summary, which I'm going to kind of skim the surface because it really was a lot of the section was internal reflection and cross character reflection So when we left at the end of part two, uh, Hiram had been, had agreed to go back to Lockless to help and take over for Roscoe, uh, who had passed as his dad's manservant, I guess his butler, maybe not really entirely sure what the title is. He's kind of, Doer of all things now. The, the head of the people. Um, yeah. I think yeah. I think he called it the head of the task. Mm-hmm. The head of the task, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we open in this section with him arriving back at Lockless, kind of hoping that the destruction and deterioration of the county that he kind of sees over the last year hasn't hit Lockless. It definitely has. But Thena is still there, as is Sophia. Mm -hmm. He kind of easily gets back into the rhythm of the task in terms of the putting on the mask and acting in accordance. When he, he makes up with Thena first, and it's a bit of a rocky apology, but exactly what I expected to occur. He, he had emotionally matured a lot in the way that he yeah. talked about things. Definitely huge. Yeah, definitely emotionally matured. And so then eventually he goes down to see Sophia who had moved down back down to the street from the Warrens up under the house. And there we learn that Sophia has had Nathaniel's child, Caroline, who has the same eyes as Hiram, which are apparently a Walker family trait. It's the Walker eyes. The Walker eyes. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely a Game of Thrones reference there. But uh, <laughs> and he wrestles with those feelings and talking back about the book, about the second part of the book, and all the lessons that he learns. And he has he and Sophia have to come to an understanding. Athena has started uh, doing laundry on the side, essentially trying to buy her freedom towards the end. The big one of the first big events in this section is Athena gets cracked on the head um, and robbed by one of the other tasked. Mm-hmm. And Hiram notes the difference in the way it used to be and the way it is now because he doesn't know anybody else. So he's got no way to know who the culprit is. At the same time, we discover that, uh, Sophia has been purchased by Corrine. Corrine Quinn. It, she did it a mm-hmm. long time ago and just didn't tell him. Just yet. Yeah, didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, so, Eventually, Hiram makes the decision that he is going to conduct Thena and Sophia. And he he will come back and he will stay and he will do what he needs to do. But he needs to get them out because he's concerned with Thena's frailty that she is going to be sold very quickly. He discovers that his father, that Lockless is mortgaged to the hilt. There is, he owes everybody uh, everything. Uh, So he's concerned that Thena will go quickly and he is concerned that Caroline could be taken from Sophia since Mm -hmm. while Corinne owns Sophia, it is not clear whether or not she owns Caroline. I noted that pretty distinctly and I was kind of surprised the book didn't make a bigger point of that. But yeah. He shows and explains it to both Thena and Sophia how to do conduction. And he realizes he needs something deeper than the memories he currently holds. Because he discovered the use of the wooden toy horse that mm-hmm. he made for Georgie's son. Was allow it was his version of Harriet, uh, Harriet's walking stick. Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not a powerful enough memory. Yeah. So he goes through his father's things and discovers his mother's seashell necklace, Mm -hmm. which brings back all of the memories. When he tells Sophia, she accepts the conduction. She accepts all of the information about the underground, but she refuses to leave because she doesn't want to go north without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very sweet, but very uncharacteristic. I had a real... I was really confused by that. But we'll talk about that. Thena did not take it so well. No. Thena was Thena was real unhappy about this whole <laughs> thought. Process. I was really sad. Like, I felt that reaction where she's like, no, 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 no. And it was well like, done in the audio was it like i've i'm i've been over this like no my children i mean not that her children were dead to her but like it that's what it felt like was like no there's no way i'm getting them back they're they are dead in her mind and then to just give her that hope again like oh 
I felt it. I felt for her so bad. Like I got her rage. I mean, I don't get her rage, but like I like I've it was very well written, basically. I just <laughs> I got emotional and I was like, oh man. So eventually Thena agrees. And Hiram conducts her, which is where we learn the backstory of that memory from about mm-hmm. his mother. Mm-hmm. I did like this this and whole section of turn. this whole section of the book right. genuinely was one of the things like it kind of served to just unwrap all of the things that we haven't known the motivations behind for the whole mm-hmm. rest of the book. Yep. Yeah. So he conducts Stina, um, and the story we learn is that his aunt Emma had gotten sold after he had been born. And his mother, upon seeing that, decided to run. So she took him and ran. But eventually they were caught. And both were put in Ryland's jail. And his father came and took him away from his mother, who had given him that seashell necklace to remember her by, and traded her for a horse. And on the way home, he took the seashell necklace so that Hiram wouldn't remember her. Because he's a massive doo-doo. Yeah. We don't curse on this podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> sure. We're, we'll go with that. Yes. <laughs> he's a massive doo-doo. Um, I have a few other choice words. But uh, upon his return, he continues to... he. One flaunts it to his father that he found the seashell necklace and knows everything. Mm-hmm. Which would have been a great a great and moment in the movie of this book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, his father dies within the year. Hiram and Sophia remain on Lockless, and Lockless becomes the new Bryserton because Corrine Quinn had basically convinced Hiram's father she would collect all the debt. She would pay it all off. She got the estate when he passed and everybody on it. Mm-hmm. She got a new franchise. She yeah. got a new franchise. Yeah. There was a new underground railroad station. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much where the book closes. So we know nothing else about what's going on in Pennsylvania. That is not. There's there's no discussion about the Pennsylvania crowd, mm-hmm. really, Wait, in this third section. The Pennsylvania crowd being the whites? No. Uh, no. Um, Othra. Oh, yeah, the white. Yeah, uh-huh. the whites. Last, white, last, yeah. last name whites, not lowercase w. <laughs> last name whites. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah sorry. The, not, the not of color. Yeah. Yeah. close to the lowercase yeah. w. Yes. Uh, there, was, there was a thing uh, at the <laughs> end of the book. I don't, I don't know if yeah. you guys caught that one um, mm-hmm. I, where they talked about the real people that, it was, that they were based on. Yeah, they are based on real people. Mm-hmm. I the saw white that family. I didn't read it. It was an interesting one. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. so they were based on a real family. If one of you guys has the book there and can say the name of them, um, apparently it was they're actually they collected letters of people and things like that. Mario, oh. okay now, did it get weird? Yes, yeah, it got weird. It got weird. Um, yeah, no. So no, these people they actually collected letters of people who were in all these, all of these different situations. And so they served as the inspiration of the people in this book. 
I don't know if the people who have the text, because I didn't listen to the last part of this, Stephen, but if you guys saw the questions for discussion that were at the end of this book, and you don't see that really often so anymore. So. <laughs> we, we actually have an episode we where we do those for another yeah. for other books that we already did. So we're going to go On through our- those later, I'm sure. Yeah, it was like it was a Patreon exclusive, right? We did it for the Scythe book. We were like, let's just do the questions that come in the back. <laughs> so we will definitely get there. But um, yeah, so I guess I'm going to ask for your favorite scene in this third section or the conversation that you thought like really kind of got at something. For me, I think it was the conversation between Hiram and Hawkins, where Hawkins kind of opens up finally about, look, I'm supposed to tell you you're jeopardizing the possibilities and, you know, you should be a good soldier. And and I'm telling you all of these things. But I'm not going to tell you to do those things. Yeah, because he says, yeah. I can't say I would do those things if I were in your shoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Read between the lines type thing. It's like, listen, we are not going behind Curry's back, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to tell you. <laughs> I just, I thought it was, I thought it was a very poignant moment because... The whole time we, we, and we discussed it in the last section about the difference in the way Kareen Quinn sees the battle mm-hmm. and the way those who have become free see the battle. And Hawkins, for so much of the book, towed the line with Kareen and really just kind of followed that line and to me this conversation really gave us the story of a why he toes that line Mm -hmm. like what he why he feels it matters to do that but also the conflict that he understands that's inside so i just thought that was a really i thought it could i thought it could have i thought hawkins could have been written off just as easily Mm-hmm. But that that scene kind of flushed him out more, which I thought was really important. But anybody else? I mean, mine's mine's a very small bit. Um, personally, like I I really liked the the moment where it seemed like he was just kind of in a situation. He, he was just kind of in the situation where he was so powerful and yeah. was just doing everything. You know, he just was on this like massive like meteoric rise to just do everything that he wanted to do with his abilities. And they kind of went through and nerfed that to where he was falling apart, basically halfway through that really long conduction he was trying to do. Um, Uh And so uh, in the middle of it, you have, um, you have Harry Tubman come through and they, they take (laughs) her halfway with her daughter. And the fact that her daughter was there with her, I was like, internally about it. Like I, I really enjoyed that moment. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the part that took that moment from almost being really corny and just like misplaced. Cause it's like the rest of the time when Harris was there, I'm telling you, I was all for it. When she popped up at that moment, I was like, no, just no, because this is, 
Like we're in the like last few pages of this book. You're not gonna bring this person into the fold. We 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 settled Harriet. It was like she was gone. <laughs> he didn't respond to him when he was like, "Hey, I need some advice." And he was like, "You know what? No, it's right. This is my journey from mm-hmm. here on out." And then it's like, "Oh no, no, don't worry. I'm just late." Come on. I liked it for this one because in that moment, so before we were like, why did, why bring in Harriet Tubman and give her powers? Like you're yeah. taking something away from her real life accomplishments. But in this moment, it's like, no, like we gave her like the superpower thing, but also she's way better at it than everyone else who might even be lucky enough to have the same ability. So she's still a champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then it was like we got that end of it, even though we didn't actually see Thena get to wherever Thena is at the mm-hmm. moment. We know she got reconnected with her daughter, and that was a nice kind of close-up point to that. Yeah, but I, I and it still was a think succinct way to close it up too. Yeah, yeah. without being mm-hmm. like, and then they had a lovely family, and they met her children, and then multiple generations. Like, no, you don't mm-hmm. know that. Don't. Do that. Um. I think my favorite exchanges either had to be the the I'm sorry to Thena, which was weirdly broken up across a page. It's like, I'm sorry. And then just like, here's some context about what's happening in the room. And then he went on like a deeper dive of like, why he's sorry. And she kind of just went like, I wrote down like this very simple and powerful, but the most motherly thing any person could do. Not responding to it, not acknowledging anything you said. Uh-huh. It was- <laughs> okay, let's get back to this. <laughs> All right, hand, hand me that patch, please. <laughs> like, just, we're just gonna ignore this, right? Yes. Like, you're a child. You're gonna keep doing this, so don't say you're not gonna do it again. Because <laughs> no, so you are. You guys have very different parental experiences than I do in this regard. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> like you've never had a parent just like when you've done something and then you're trying to like be the good kid in the moment. You're like, okay, I'm gonna apologize apologize for breaking the vase i know i shouldn't have been doing that in the house okay it's all gonna work out they're gonna forgive me cool and you go up and do it and all you get is dead silence. no <laughs> at, at this point like I, <laughs> I, in conversations with my mom I, she's usually the one should have to who should have to apologize <laughs> oh no that's all parents the second you hit like 12 they're the ones who everything wrong <laughs> We've gotten past the like mischievous area in their life after that. It's just them confusing, you know, oh, they're being bad for no, I made that decision. I made that decision and I'm proud of it. No, it was <laughs> that one. And then the just the really tiny exchange, which I wrote it down because I literally wrote Sophia has a baby exclamation point underline. And then I was like <laughs> Italic. But was and then it was like, but was pregnant before they ran. <laughs> Yes. Like right under it. But my favorite part of that exchange was just like him clocking a woman that had a baby. And there was a reason he saw this woman. Because that, that could have, there's plenty of people walking around on the street. I know it was emptier, but he probably passed other people, didn't acknowledge them. And it was just like, okay, woman with baby, woman goes back inside house, woman exits house. Oh, it's Sophia. And it was just like processing. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. She was the one with the baby. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that, I don't think it should have been that hard for him. Like she'd be like, that's Sophia. Also, that was her baby. Yeah, like he was like, no, no, woman with baby went inside and then contacted Sophia and then she came out. <laughs> no, we saw what you saw. <laughs> she just stood there and she was just like, We're gonna stand out here all day. Like she had to be the one that's like 
<laughs> what, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? And it was great. That was just, it See, was just very clear. That was very much, I, that was a very honest, like, interaction because I think about the number of people who just refuse to accept what's in front of them because it just doesn't compute. compute yeah. Like, it, it, it doesn't fit with what they thought this should look like. So it just doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like there has to be some other logical act. There has to be some other explanation. I mean, as yeah. to why I this is even, occurring. I can't remember the term for it. It has like a, a term in psychology, what it is. I think fallacy or something like that, where you just like, mm, not true. <laughs> <laughs> no matter the amount of evidence you get. I, I never saw a baby. That was my imagination. That's like, <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it, um, I think I most prominently see it in terms of like students in classrooms. I didn't fail that test. No, but you, you really did <laughs> fail that test. No. Didn't happen. I was just like, thinking, I, I was let it all. Like, no, no. Fail. <laughs> F, F is fail. <laughs> I was just thinking of everyone who watched when, uh, live when Macklemore won the Grammy over Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> Wait, it what? is on display. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> no, but, no, that's just like, that's the thing. So, like that whole exchange to me was very, like, very real. Like Hiram going, "Well, that's the house Sophia is supposed to be in, but that can't be Sophia because there's a baby, and that doesn't, that doesn't, nope." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And then the fact that he clocked the baby's eight, he was like, "It's at least four months." Like he's just there sizing it up. It's like, no, if it was like one month old, it'd be this big. But did we have sex? But no. Okay, it's been a year. It's like math and 12 and okay. Let's go into that part. Well, actually, Jess, Jess, did you get to say one that was a big moment for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, probably him telling Athena about conduction and that he's part of the underground Mm. and her just straight up being pissed at him for it. (laughs) That was great. And I also really like Sophia, just the amount of times that Sophia is like, but I'm my own person. Like, I'm choosing this, but I'm not yours. I just really liked that being repeated. Like, I like you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going to go north unless you're there. But I am still my own woman. I'm not owned by anybody. I'm not yours. I really liked that that was constantly repeated. Like, an equal. It was a very good sort of her saying, like, we're going to have an equal relationship. I will make my decisions. You will make your decisions. And we will, if they work and co-assign, then they do. And if they don't, then they don't. So. The the one that, uh, well, I, the part that I wanted to get into was the part where none of us know when he would have possibly thought they did have sex <laughs> if it happened. Because, like, there's a part, she kept having to say to him, it's not yours, dude. It's not yours. Well, see, Except that's not, and so maybe it's the difference between the audio and the visual, because that's not how I read that. In, in read, the audio, it, she says, like, it's not yours. It's yeah. more of the tone of it. Okay. See, and I read the tone very much of, yep, it's not yours. Are you going to be okay with that? Interesting. Like, we both know <laughs> it's not yours. Are you going to be okay with that? See? That would like, have been a To me, there was way. a second. <laughs> yeah. There was a, to me, it was, it's one of those. It's one of those shorthands that if you're in that situation, you understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I think about it in terms of, like, couples who have been together for a very long time. And obviously, this is not necessarily. But they don't have to say, 
I love you, the whole thing. Yeah, it, it's just often like shorten it to just love you, or or just like, love. hey, did, did you want anything for breakfast? And it's like I yeah, am considering but, you in this moment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it, but in, so the, the, to me, oh, good. To me, the that statement that she kept repeating was just shorthand for, "Are you going to be able to be okay with this?" Because mm-hmm. she's in my life, she is my world, and so you're either going to be okay with it and you can be in it, or you aren't going to be okay with it and you can leave. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered for audiobooks, like if it's a book that is uh, as popular as it becomes. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. this one they probably they probably clocked it early on that it was going to be. A popular book you know um so i imagine and always wonder kind of if when they go to produce an audiobook and they get a big name attached to the thing who's actually an actor and everything uh if they will ask for motivations in a certain moment uh for tonality for how a a line should be delivered um i don't know if that ever happens or if it goes to back to the author they listen to the stuff and they send back revisions for any scenes that need to happen um, I'm always just very curious about that. If anyone out there who mm-hmm. listens to this by chance happens to know, reach out to me. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah, that'd be interesting. No, I'd, yeah. I'd like to know about that just because like I feel like just because of this book and who did the audio book, like there was a total call that happened the second he got staffed on it. Like someone gave someone someone else's <laughs> phone number and they got on like a Zoom call and they just talked and talked and talked and probably drank whiskey or something. I don't know. the part that i wanted to bring up was again i'm a big fan of foreshadowing it is one of my favorite things but like now that i think about the way you read it elizabeth was just like oh okay she was asking it's like hey this is this is the circumstances you're Mm -hmm. either gonna be okay with this or you're not gonna be okay with this and fast forward to right before you know he had left he was conducting harriet's brother (laughs) who was like I'm not going to be with a woman that's going to be pregnant with like some white man's baby. Welcome to Hiram's new life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I, and I do appreciate, and I think it's one of those things that this book is uniquely written for in terms of getting that internal dialogue and fight mm-hmm. and him basically having to explain it to her <laughs> and the decision that he made. <laughs> I, I don't know I, I, I um, was there anything that you guys really thought was going to come to a greater like greater fruition than it did for this book since we're in kind of the end game for this one at this point in conversation I think no I always felt like that the climax would actually be him figuring out what happened to his mother so like I always felt that was where it was going to go and that it wasn't going to be like an epic conclusion which is basically what we got like i always felt like this was where we were heading like the the middle part definitely is the like movie sort of climatic part but this ending to me was the ending that always had to happen because his actual problem within the plot was that he didn't have his memories and therefore to me the conclusion had to be him telling his memory basically him and talking about it and dealing with the trauma of it basically i guess i just expected a little bit more from him after that first conduction i think jessica you pegged it right like we were only going to see the one but i was like 
I was expecting at least a little bit more, but I also really was not. It felt disingenuous to me to have Sophia make the decision that she wasn't going to go north without Hiram. Mm -hmm. Because obviously she knows Hiram is safe. If Hiram were to get sold, he could conduct himself north. Like, he's he's going to be protected. He's already owned by Kareem Quinn. He's part of the Underground Railroad, like, owned in terms of for the South's purposes. But he's already part of the Underground Railroad, so he's already safe. Caroline <laughs> isn't. And yeah. until, until Howell died, like, there was no guarantee of safety. And all of the discussion for her and all the risks she took to protect Caroline, it just felt, it felt a little disingenuous, particularly with all the discussion about mothers and a mother's love and how that really changed the dynamics for all of the women in, in the story. I don't know if Sophia actually felt like the North would be safer, though. This is fair. Yeah, okay. That that would be my thing. Is like at least you're in what you know, kind of thing, and in with one person that you trust, kind of thing. Is is how I took it as as to why she wouldn't go because she's seen. I mean, the amount of stuff that she's seen, and she saw, you know, unlike Hiram, who saw the North while he was seeing that she was seeing Lockless be destroyed, basically, you know, and. Yeah. So basically she's in that set that although I know it's bad, it's all that I know, I think. I'll Maybe take the evil I know over the evil I don't. Mm -hmm. Yes, basically. And and it's the and also dealing like with having a child and not knowing the future if I go north. Like, well, what am I gonna do? Like, am I gonna guarantee get a job? I'm gonna have to trust these people that I don't even know to get me a job to get placed. Like, how am I gonna take care of this child by myself? Kind of thing. And in this day and age, like I mean it's hard today to be a single mother and not know what you're gonna do next. Like like at least she was in her safety zone kind of thing. Is how I took it as. But I mean, I might even say it's like she's already kind of been through the run thing and that didn't go so swell the first yeah. time. She's safe now. It's like, ah, do I, I want to take risk number two? Because risk number one, she got away by, you know, just the grace of Kareen of not telling, but like trying to run away with, you know, Master's kid. Like we could just have a repeat of Hiram's story where she gets sold off, kid gets, you know, taken. Maybe that's yeah. not a risk they're willing yeah. to take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That and I don't think I mean after hearing Hiram's story, I don't think I would trust the underground or trust Kareen because especially since her basic introduction to Kareen is basically blackmail. Kareen saying, "Hey, look, he doesn't need to know about that you ran away," but that's blackmail because Kareen knows she ran away. That's, like that's her whole thing for this that's whole. What it would the, look like the, <laughs> the whole last part of the book was that for her. I was so glad that in in the actual audio of or what the audio the um the actual conversation of things. He brought up the fact that she sees herself as this like great figure and everything, as she's like standing out, looking over everything. 
fantastic. Best part of the whole book is calling yeah. her on her nonsense because she still continues being that way for the rest of the time. She's still like, oh, don't you worry. I planned everything ahead. I, I went, I bought all of you guys. You'll be fine. It's great. It's fantastic. She didn't have to be smug and keeping it to herself about it. I feel like she really only brought it up to Hiram yeah. because he was going to leave yeah, well, yeah. She and take her away. Her. Oh, yeah. She was like, do you even hear yourself? And she was like, yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, don't, <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's like, I, I do. Sometimes I need to be reminded, but yeah, yeah I, but- I do. <laughs> I like, I, I, I'm aware of my own hypocrisy. I'm, I, I got it. <laughs> See, and I, I felt like early on, like way early on, like beginning of, oh, maybe it was in part one where Kareen was like being the widow or like in mourning. She wasn't even a widow. She was in mourning of her fiance. Like I thought she was going to try to get married to the dad. Like I was like, oh, God. I was like, I, oh, that's where gonna... I was going too. Yeah. I was like, oh, go. <laughs> I was def- I was definitely going with uh, Catherine and Henry the eighth and well, Henry the seventh and that whole yeah that's where i was at i mean it's happened before (laughs) like well can't get the sun might as well get the one that's about to die in a few years (laughs) take all this word (laughs) that's where i thought it was going so i'm slightly more surprised that she just basically convinced him to leave it to her in the will but (laughs) i mean he was he was he didn't really have a choice (laughs) super in debt but like also i feel like i don't know this is probably a weird thing to say but has anyone ever encountered the old person in your life like i have my father who just at a certain point just starts getting like things that they were very adamant about their entire lives they just it's not even like a slow progression of soft it's just like complete opposite like just immediate (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden it's just like just you know you know little cute teddy bear everything's all sweet and they're like calling you and doing all these things he went from like hard father to just like you know i know we've treated you bad and just full right you know in a different life you could have been the white man and i could have been black because you are cut out for this and it's just like what is happening yeah. <laughs> Hiram was like what is happening? I, I like that scene because it, it like Hiram's whole thing and that was like you know that's not better right right <laughs> <laughs> like that's not how this should work no nope. <laughs> No. Yeah, he's like, oh, and then when he basically said that, like, Maynard, like, I'm paraphrasing, was like, his own worst enemy, yeah. but, like, he's also, like, happy that he's, like, free. He's like, I know I shouldn't say that, but, like, I'm free of him, too. Woohoo! It was, honestly, it was a great, it was a great version, uh, or a great telling of when there's a person who has this massive respect for a person who just died go ahead and give him six months and they'll finally talk about the person in an honest manner it it happens all the time like guys just be honest during life same with relationship breakups (laughs) (laughs) give it six months um but yeah any final thoughts on that name is there are there any other dog-eared pages in your book that you need to go over first of all i only okay i hate dog earring pages we're just gonna put that up. <laughs> I, I was gonna wait for that does she dog ear like who? Oh, she, no, she, she did in the book that she had to read for the other thing but that's, that's okay book, which i talked to jessica about <laughs> <laughs> Do. 
<laughs> but I did dog ear two pages in this, but it was mostly just like, ah, oh, well, like the the portion where he shows his dad. Like I thought that was way too short but weirdly powerful because we didn't get the father's reaction and i get it he didn't want the father's reaction Mm -hmm. i wanted the father's reaction (laughs) we're gonna have to wait for the movie (laughs) (laughs) was like i don't care it's definitely gonna be a movie right Mm -hmm. him as a character was like i am above it this is not what i wanted i got the information i need i as a reader needed information i am not above it (laughs) and i wanted to see him in shock and suffer that is what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted you to take the man while he was down in his like sadness and debt and just stick it to him. <laughs> that is what I wanted in that part of the book. But I did like it because he was just like, it was just subtle enough where it's like, it fell out and he saw it. Yeah, I, I really, I, I, <laughs> th- th- this isn't going to be any fun for anyone who's just listening to the, the audio version, but I just imagine him like leaning over and then gravity pulls the necklace down and he, then he just looks up and goes, and then gets back up. <laughs> no side eye for the audio version. <laughs> Let's be very clear. In the book, it is not described as accidentally falling out. Like yeah. that was very intentional. It was very like, like oh, the shell fell out. <laughs> like I leaned I over until the shells fell out. <laughs> yeah. Like he he very intentionally did this. Like there was no there was no pretense. Um, any other dog-eared pages? Let's see. Um, <laughs> make this go forever. I'm never dog-earing pages again. This is the second <laughs> episode. We, we, we gotta invent the sticky go. tabs. We, we gotta They'll make these. Go. Okay. <laughs> um, it was, there was a part where, uh, he was like, he was in it talking, uh, he was doing the, I guess, what I'm going to say, he was doing the Harriet because it's conduction, but I don't know if there are other ways people did conduction besides telling their entire life story it was to like, a person. It was like pur- <laughs> purposeful pontification. It was very interesting. And it was just like, where he kind of just like stopped and he was like and then he looks at Thena and Thena's still like wavering like a green light a bit, but he just, it seems like a flustering moment to me where he's like Oh God, no! We're gonna fall right back, dude. I have nothing else. That's where it ends. <laughs> I, I need like, a longer story. <laughs> <laughs> I only run into podcasts for two hours of driving. <laughs> <laughs> like you're ever in a car and you don't have enough music, or on a plane and you don't have enough movie. You you just you get into that moment and then it just goes dark. <laughs> <laughs> And then Harriet Tubman comes through and saves the day. Yeah, yeah, because that's you <laughs> can't say that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> she goes, she's like, no, we're fine on this drive. I've got a subscription to Title. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, yes. So, on that note, to try and keep our podcast link good, we have uh, devised a way to trick Naima into staying on the podcast with her and that is she's going to pick our next book (laughs) Yep, didn't feel like a trick felt like a target for anyone that (laughs) knows me I'm a very indecisive person and it gets so much worse when it's like oh I like these people I want to share them with them like good books and things they'd like and so it was just this like 
horrendous process of like this one well i really really like this one but this one's very short or this one this one was really good i think this person would like this one but it's also short and so i cheated a bit (laughs) (laughs) i opted for three books instead of one because you know they 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 want me on here so i get to cheat just a tiny bit just a little (laughs) usually we have one book that is like a lot like a full 100 percent size book but now we have we have three novellas, so two that I have read and one that I haven't because I wanted to sort of experience with anyone. But these are honestly some of my favorite books that I've read over the last two years. Uh, so the first one is The Indifference of the World by Peter Stamm. So all of these books actually are were written not in English. They were translated um, from different parts of the world, but they all have to do with books. So I thought that was a good introduction. This is one is by this one relates to an author. I'm not giving any more information about this because it will ruin it. But this is my favorite. (laughs) So this will be the first one. Um, Then there is Our Riches, which is not nonfiction, but it's not all fiction, if there's a way to say that. So basically it um, relates to a bookstore that very much did exist, no longer exists. But it was in Algeria and it was one of the first publishing houses and bookstores there and it lasted so long but the whole book is about this person who's going basically up to shut down the bookstore and clear it out because someone else bought it but it's got a lot of history and it's it's a beautiful book and the very last one is a new translation of a very old book um it's called the hour of the star which i just ordered off of amazon by clarice specter but the new translation by Benjamin Moser, because they have translated this book, I think, four or five times at this point, and no one's satisfied with the translation, so they just keep trying. (laughs) I support that. I support that. Well, excellent. So, dear listener, I'm hoping somebody who's in charge of our social media will post the titles of those three books so you can acquire them, because we'll take our week off, give you a chance to Mm -hmm. order them all on Amazon, Mm -hmm. and then so we're starting with which one? The blue cover. Uh, the blue cover. Yes, the sweet indifference of the world. It does have a, a I guess, different cover as well, um, but that's the name of the book. An author? Uh, Peter Stamm. Okay. And so, yeah, you, you guys will have the one week off to go ahead and pick them up. If you want to pick them up from there on out, like uh, one at a time each week, um, they're not going to be ones that will be like massively in like every single bookstore that you might go to or anything. Uh, so maybe plan ahead if you are trying to follow along with us. Yep. Yeah. I would highly recommend taking our week off to just purchase all three. Mm-hmm. If you can, yeah. I this- assume hopefully they're, I, I'm going to guess they're at least easily available online for order. <laughs> yes. So I did check all of them are available on Amazon and all of them are also available on Barnes and Noble. And I did check a few of our local bookstores, at least here out here in Seattle and they were available as well. So hopefully they're okay. available. I use too. Huh? Well, fantastic. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. So that is what's coming up on love of pages. Steven, where can people find you? You can find me all across social media as Peppermint Gent or Peppermint Gentleman. Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. And Naima, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram or on Twitter as Emajanon. Fantastic. And you find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. 
Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found at geekleetmedia.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on whatever podcatcher you use and or on the YouTube channel. We are also now on Amazon Music, something music. Yeah, it's, uh, so we're, we're on, yeah, Amazon Music is a service, yeah. Amazon oh, Music. Yeah. <laughs> so also, come, I should go also, for it. I should also say, at the time that this comes out, there will be a whole brand new geeklymedia.com. With yes. brand new content, there, there should be some other shows. Um, like, there's going to be a lot of stuff there. Go check it out now. <laughs> Go check out our new website. But until next time, this is the love of pages reminding you to keep turning those pages and always remember to geek out. Geek out. Geek out. <laughs>